Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Gosh. Uh, well, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is uh, Drew Worsham, and it is a joy and an honor to get to be one of the pastors here at the Rim Church. Uh, if you are new, I'll just tell you just a little bit about who we are. Uh, there are three things that we hold very close and near and dear to our heart. And as a church, we desire to be a people who love Jesus. And so we leverage everything that we have to kind of come alongside of you in that journey so that you would grow in intimacy with King Jesus because we believe that he has a lot to say about life and that he's pretty amazing. And that even we just sang a song saying that, that he is worthy, that Jesus is worthy of his name. And sometimes we miss this moment that one day we'll stand before Jesus And the fact is that whatever it cost us to follow after him, whatever we gave up to to chase after him, that we'll look and say, Jesus, you were worthy, that that, that you were completely worth it, that we won't look back and be like, man, I feel like, you know, we missed out. We'll say, no, no, you you are worthy of everything uh, that you promised. The second thing is that we desire to be a church that actually is a family, and a lot of times you, you hear this language, you know, communicated in, in a church setting that we, want to, we desire to be a family. But the sad reality is, is that very many of us, we walk into a space like this and maybe we'll sing songs, we'll hear a sermon, and we experience about the same amount of family as we do when we go to the movie theater. We, have, we share a great experience and maybe we'll high five somebody on the way out, but that we're not actually being a family. And so we leverage everything that we have to actually do that, to come alongside of each other, actually know each other's names, actually be in this together. And it's a small thing. When we first planted this church about a year and a half ago, when we started, it was back here on this stage. And it was a subtle thing for us to move the carpets down here on the ground and go, no, 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 we're in this together. Like there's none of us that are elevated. None of us have this figured out. Like we're a bunch of people journeying together and we desire to be a family. And the third thing is that we actually believe that God wants to use this church to change the world. Starting here in Northwest San Antonio and then leaking all the way to the nations. And we believe that God is going to use the people of the church, not the staff of the church, not the pastors of the church, but he wants to use you and I. That those of us that have said yes to Jesus, like we're followers of him, we love him, The Bible communicates this truth that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That the same God that Michelle was just talking about that spoke the world into existence, that same God lives and dwells inside of you. That the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave, that that power courses through your veins. And that you don't have a a junior varsity version of the Holy Spirit. That you have the same Holy Spirit that I do, the same Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul had. And God is sending us into the world as agents of change. And we believe that God's going to use this church to change the world. So those are the three things that we leverage our faith family towards. And so we're so glad that if you're new here, you're joining us. Like, we're we're grateful. Uh, We're honored. Um, 
And today we're going to dive into uh, a brand new sermon series. It's like Lashad said, we've been walking through uh, just the Bible together, through the New Testament and through Psalms, and love to invite you into that journey as we've just been preaching through whatever God gives us for that week. And this, this past year, uh, this, this week I celebrated uh, a birthday. So it's 38th, I turned 38 this week. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's good or bad. You don't, you don't have to applaud. That's not what I say. But when you, when you have birthdays, there's, this, there's moments where you just get really, really reflective. And you look back over the course of the year and all that God has done and what he's allowed you to be a part of and maybe some good decisions, maybe a few bad decisions and things you do differently. And if we're honest, like this past 12 months, 15 months has been really crazy. It's been intense. I told my wife, I was like, I feel like I earned 38. Like, I feel like, I, you know, it's the first time. Like, I know we're getting closer to 40 and I'll start panicking maybe next year. But I was like, I feel like, yes, I am 38 and I earned it. This past 12 months was like a dog year. It was like seven years crammed into one. And it's been crazy. And it doesn't take a while to like just flip through social media or Apple News before you start to realize, I mean, man, it's, the, the world is just bananas. And it's been a crazy year. And our country has never been more divided. Our churches have never been more divided. And we're watching so much brokenness kind of creep into our lives, our marriages, our families. We're watching God's design for sex be completely distorted. We're even seeing inside of the church the weekend gatherings this moment becoming such spectacles and such the focus, even though this is only 2% of, of our time in the week, that usually about 98% of our budgets go to this one hour and 15 minutes. And so we've just been asking God, going, God, is is this what you had in mind? 2,000 years ago, when you died on the cross and you, and you died for your bride, did you walk in and go, this is exactly what I was thinking? I was hoping you'd have really big fog machines and cool lights and the guitar. Like that was really, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But we've just been going, man, has it become such a spectacle? Our priorities have shifted and life has just gotten really messy. So what beauty do we hold on to when everything around us feels like a mess? Well, this sermon series, uh, we're hoping to kind of dive into that. And we're going to look at through First and Second Corinthians just this beautiful mess that God has put in front of us. And the Corinthian church, uh, I just want you to know this, was a total mess. Yet Jesus used the mess to make something beautiful. And if he did it for them, we believe that he can do it for you and that he can do it for us. And so if you, if you still have your Bible out, love you to kind of hang out still at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to kind of walk through it just verse by verse, but I want to kind of set it up so that you know uh, where we're diving into the story. Because if you're kind of, you know, if you didn't grow up in the church like me or you're kind of new to all of this, it can feel like you're jumping into season three of that TV show on Hulu and you're like, I'm not exactly what's going on. So let me kind of give you the recap so that you know where we are in the story. And so this is Paul, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. And it was written to a small community that Paul knew really, really well. They were near and dear to his heart. 
And Corinth is a, it's a major port city in the ancient world and had lots uh, of Greek and Roman gods. Uh, it was a big economic center. And so Paul strategically comes to Corinth as a missionary. And he spent a year and a half there getting to know the people. And he starts telling them about Jesus. And man, there's a whole bunch of people that surrender their lives to Jesus and these death to life stories. And so this small community of believers forms the first church there. But as he leaves, he begins to hear all of these reports of what's going on and how they're plagued by all kinds of messy problems. And that's why he writes the letter. And the letter we're going to see over the course of these next few weeks, it's broken up into five major parts along with like a final greeting. And these five sections correspond to five main problems that Paul sees in this church. And so he addresses them. And this letter, it kind of reads like uh, a group of essays uh, on different topics. So in each section, Paul's going to describe the problem and then he's going to describe how the gospel is the answer. The gospel being the story of what Jesus did and is doing in the church. He's going to say, hey, this is how it actually answers the problem that you're facing. And he's going to encourage and teach them how to see the world through a gospel lens, through the story of Jesus. And in this very first section that we're going to kind of see a little bit is we're going to see that there's a lot of division in the church. That Paul, he starts the church, and then there's some of these other teachers that come along. You've got Apollos, and Paul, of course. You've got Peter that steps in. And along the way, people start to, they pick their favorite preacher or their favorite teacher, and they kind of become, if you will, groupies around this leader. And so they say, hey, like, we, we follow, this is our leader. And not, not Jesus, but Apollos, that, that's our guy. And they start talking uh, a bunch of mess, if you will, and kind of talking down to all the other people that follow different leaders. And their growth gets stunted because they're focused on the wrong things. And Paul here is going to respond in a very kind of like sarcastic and sharp way. And he's going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you've got to be kidding. The church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. And its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. They're simply servants of Jesus. And although you might prefer one leader over another, it's not worth dividing over, and it's certainly not worth speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus and the good news about what he is and what he has done for us. It's a lot of mess, but if we're honest, it kind of sounds a little familiar. And so today we're going to wrestle with this idea of how, to we, how do we grow? How do we grow in maturity towards Jesus in the midst of this beautiful mess called life that we're walking in? Okay. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, based upon this text, three ingredients to growth. Three ingredients that I think we need to, to grow in what Jesus has asked us to. And so the, if you're, I don't really do titles of messages, but if you're looking for one, this title of this message is just, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. 
It says, for my part, brothers and sisters. I want to pause here. Is that, that Paul is writing this letter to Christians. He's writing the letter to Christians. That's what he says, brothers and sisters, people in the community. And so listen, in this room today, we're all over the place in our spiritual journey. And that's a beautiful thing. That we've got some that are walking into this place that are skeptical. We've got some who are seeking and maybe going, hey, maybe I'll give Jesus a chance. There are some of us that have known Jesus, but we feel distant from him. There are some of us that love him deeply and have been walking with him closely. Man, all of us on different, like different parts of the spectrum. But Jesus is communicating here to those who claim to be followers of Jesus. So he says, for my part, brothers and sisters, he said, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. And what, what he's saying here is this, is that when you said yes to Jesus, that the spirit of the living God took up residence inside of you, and I should be able to talk to you and to communicate to you as a person filled with the Holy Spirit, but I can't. Because you're acting like a person that's just, that's just carnal, that's just in the flesh, that just does exactly what you want to do and not what God is asking you to do. And so I have to like speak to you in an immature way, like a carnal Christian instead of a spiritual Christian. It says you're following the flesh more than you're following the Spirit. And then he uses this language. He says, as babies in Christ. He said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it yet. In fact, you're still not ready because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Saying like that, he said, not spiritual. Once again, like you're just acting in your flesh, like you're just a normal human that doesn't have the spirit. For whenever one, so for whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Paulos, are you not acting like mere humans? So point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. First ingredient to growth is that growth takes honesty. If you want to grow into the person that Jesus is asking you to, inviting you into, growth takes honesty. To be honest with where you actually are in the journey. You know, you know, the truth is, like if we're just honest, the vast majority of people that fill the pews, that fill the church, uh, we, we, we project to the world that we're so much further along in the journey when we're actually way back here. And so what we do, instead of actually spending time growing, we spend so much more time pretending and managing our, our appearances for those around us. It's why, it's why the world looks at our church and goes, like, it, it, it's filled with hypocrites. Yeah. Why? The word hypocrisy comes from the word theater. The church isn't people who are growing towards Jesus. It's filled with a bunch of people putting on theater, pretending that they're growing. Instead of actually being honest with where we are. And listen, we're never going to grow if we're not honest with who we are and where we're at. And there's something so freeing when you talk to people who know you and love you and welcome you as you are. And you go, hey, here's the deal. Here's where I'm really at. And people go, okay. Okay, now we know the next step. But when you pretend to be way out there, I don't know how to lead you. I don't know what step you should take. Growth takes honesty. Billy Graham, uh, famous evangelist, said before he passed away, he said, I believe that 60% of the visible church needs to be saved. 
What he's communicating is this, is that 60% of the church he believes was just pretending and not actually following Jesus. Now, whether that stat is true or not, one thing that we know is true is that I think 60% of our church, whether we know Jesus or not, is definitely asleep. Is, is definitely you know, not walking in what Jesus has invited us into. But 60% of the church, as Paul would say, are just spiritual babies. My wife and I, we're about a month out from welcoming our, our second child, a uh, little boy. Yeah. A lot of change. Yeah, yeah. So we've got, we're just like any, it feels like any minute. And, uh, and so Jane is the, you know, a lot of you guys have been throwing Jane these like showers. And so we're collecting a lot of baby stuff. And so in our house, we've got a lot of like pacifiers and new bottles and stuff like that. And I've noticed that our two and a half year old Tilly finds her, you know, kind of self getting into all, all these new little toys that are at our house. And she'll pick up the pacifier and she'll put it in her mouth. She'll find, a, you know, a baby bottle and she'll pick it up and she'll start to just kind of like suck on it and pretend. And, and it's kind of cute in some ways, but then there's this part where you're like, hey, Tilly, uh, you're, you're too big for a bottle. And having this conversation, I felt like the Lord this week just kind of dropped it into my heart. Is that we have a lot of these laying out, and it's one thing to have a two and a half year old picking up a bottle. It's another thing when a 38-year-old drinks. Does this look weird to you? <laughs> Could you imagine? We grabbed coffee this week, and I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I got, I got, I got it in here. You know, we laugh about it because it's ridiculous. But I felt like the Lord this week just kind of whispered to my heart, yeah, we can joke about this, Drew, but it is no laughing matter when the church is filled with 38-year-old Christians still sucking on a bottle. Listen, let's just be honest. The vast majority of us, you walk into this place, and you know what your hope is? Your hope is as you walk up here that I'll kind of put a little bit of milk on your tongue. That I'll, I'll feed you spiritually. And you, and you walk out, and here's the language we use. like, ah, I don't know, man. I just wasn't fed today. I don't know, man. I just didn't get a lot out of the worship. Like, I don't, they just, and you're just like, here, you just want to suck on the bottle. And then, listen, just fun fact, Paul, he goes to visit Corinth this first time in 50 AD. He writes this letter in 55 AD. I want you to see this. All of the followers of Jesus were brand new followers of Jesus in 50 AD, some of them much later. What Paul is communicating is, hey, listen, you've been on a journey with Jesus for five years. For five years. You, you shouldn't be on the bottle. You should be eating spiritual meat. You should be not only that, you should be feeding others. And here you are, you're, you're still sucking on the bottle. Like you, you, I heard one pastor say it this week, and, and just, if this offends you, like, then, then probably it's the spirit. But he said this, he said, hey, you, you know why your life is so messy and you're not experiencing the beauty that you want? He said, because you suck. <laughs> he said, you're still sucking on the bottle. You want to know why your marriage is a mess? 
Because you suck. Why your family isn't what you, what you desire? Because you suck. The church, why it sucks? Because you suck. And we're filled with a bunch of people who just want to drink off the bottle instead of eating spiritual meat and growing. And I've, been, I've been married now for seven years, so I don't, I don't know what in the world we're doing, so be honest with that. But I love my wife. And I'll be honest, I love my marriage and wouldn't trade it for another marriage I know in the world. And here's the reason God just began to show the reason that is for us right now. Now, do we have problems? Yes. Lots of problems. We're figuring it out. But the reason our marriage is where it is is because I have everything I need from Jesus. He completes me. He satisfies me. Jane has everything that she needs from Jesus. And so we don't need to leech onto each other, suck life out of the other person because we don't have life. No, we come as two people completely filled up. And that's why our marriage is, is filled. We're meant to be a church that's filled, that we walk up into this place with it overflowing. Like Jeremiah chapter 2, the prophet tells Israel, says this, he says, he says, he speaks for himself. He says, I'm a living, I'm a fountain of living water that you have access to that never runs dry. But instead, you're, you're building cisterns, containers that are cracked and broken and you keep running to them and they're not filled up. And you keep running to all these things, sucking life out of them and all you're getting is sand when you could come to me and be filled up by the living fountain. Church, we're meant to be filled up by Jesus. And listen, some of us, We've been following Jesus for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years still drinking from the bottle. We had a college student live with us, uh, Channing's husband, uh, Jesse, and for a while before they got married. And I just imagine all the time, they never did this, this is hypothetically, like as if he would have walked down stairs as a 25-year-old and look and go, Drew, I'm so hungry. Feed me. Make me a sandwich. If he would have said that, I would have looked at him and been like, Jesse, you're a grown man. Make yourself a sandwich. So as we walk into this place, some of us, listen, if you're a brand new follower of Jesus, listen, this makes sense. We want to help you. We want to come alongside of you. But some of you, You've been on the bottle for way too long. And without that honesty, you're never going to grow. You're going to keep sucking on the bottle. So, uh, whew, point number one. Here we go. Uh, we'll ease up a little bit. Uh, gosh. Do you know why we, we love this and why we push the Bible reading plan? The Bible reading plan for us is just, it's a meal plan. For you on your weekly, like day in, day out, for you to have a recipe, for you to be able to sit here and hear from God and let him speak to you so that you don't need it just today for an hour. Anyway, uh, let's keep going. Growth takes honesty. The second thing is this. Growth takes time. Growth takes time. And it also, I, I add this if it's not here. Oh, you added it. Perfect. Uh, it takes faithfulness. We kind of add those together. It takes time and faithfulness. So Paul, he shifts here the analogy uh, from that of a spiritual baby. And he kind of goes into like an agricultural theme. So in verse five, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? 
They are servants through whom you believed, and each has a role the Lord has given. I, talking about Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants or the, or the one who waters is anything. They're nothing, he says. It's not about them. It's all about God who gives the growth, that God does the growing, not man. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. And so the imagery here is that of a seed, a small seed that many of you, you can't even see in this room. But the idea that, that what happens is, is Paul says, hey, I got to play a role in your life. I, I got to come and I got to dig the hole. I, I, got, I got to plant the seed of the gospel. Like what, what an honor that was for me. And then now the guy that you call Pastor Apollos, he comes in and he begins to kind of water that. But it's only through God that there's growth. Now what's interesting about a seed, if you've ever tried to plant seeds in a garden or in your yard, um, is that you, you plant a seed and you cover it and maybe you water it and you fertilize it and there's this part of you that wants to wake up the next day and hope that there's like a tree there. But if you've ever done that, you know that's not how it works. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of faithfulness of, being, of watering and taking care of it. And over time, if you don't give up and you're faithful, you'll see the growth. But we live in a microwave culture. Instant success, instant gratification, Instagram. Like we want everything instantly. And that's not how growth works. So we see this in our spiritual life. This is how it works. We, we get up tomorrow morning. Like, oh, Drew mentioned the Bible reading plan. I'm pumped. We're kind of new in 1 Corinthians. I'll jump in with the church. Let's do this. You're going to get up in the morning. Maybe you'll set your alarm a little bit earlier. You're going to read the scripture. Maybe even journal. Maybe take some time and you're going to pray. And then by the end of the afternoon, you're like, no tree. I did it. I planted the seed. I thought there would be instant results. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works in prayer. It's not how it works in God's in his, in his word. It's not how it works in community. It takes time and faithfulness. You remember when you were a kid and, uh, you know, your, your, maybe your parents would like put you up against like the doorpost and they would put like the ruler on your head and they'd take a pencil and they would mark it and put your name next to it. And then typically as a young kid, you know, that, that's how tall you are. You'd rush off and maybe you'd, you know, you eat some vegetables, drink some water, do some stretches. And you run back over and be like, measure me now. And you're like, am I any taller? What's the answer? No. Because that's not how growth works. But if you're faithful, if you're consistent in eating healthy, staying hydrated, getting good night's sleep, then in a few months you walk back over and you go, mom, measure me. And you notice that the ruler is a little bit higher. And if you stay consistent, over time, there's growth. Because growth takes time. And just because you aren't seeing instant results doesn't mean that God's not moving. Don't give up. Stay in the Word. Keep seeking Jesus through prayer and silence and solitude. Or what the early church fathers called spiritual disciplines. Stay faithful. It takes time, it takes faithfulness. 
the third thing that we see here in the text is not only we've got to be honest, does it take time? The third thing is that growth takes purpose and planning. It takes purpose and a plan. In verse 10, it says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire would test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that has Uh, If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what he's communicating is this, is that as as we're growing, as we're adding on one day that you and I will stand before Jesus with all that we've done, and that fire will sweep and burn out everything that was a waste. That was a waste of time, a waste of direction that didn't have purpose, that lined up with his heart. And that, listen, just as a side note, you and I, you do not live for the evaluation or the approval of me. You do not live for the evaluation, the approval of your house church or your spouse. You live for the evaluation and approval of one, Jesus. And one day we're going to stand with all that we've built on. And we're going to say, Jesus, this is, I did this for you. And he will evaluate it. And so the question is, as we grow, are we growing in the direction that God has asked us to? Because there's real talk. Just because something grows does not mean it is healthy. And if you're just like, wait, I don't know if I believe that, Drew. Well, here's just real talk. Let me be honest with you. 36% of Americans are growing right now. They're growing, and they keep growing, and they keep growing thanks to McDonald's and Taco Bell and Burger King and all the other fast food joints. That right now, one in three Americans is overweight. And hear me, just because they're growing, it does not mean it's healthy. A lot of our churches in the West, just because you're watching them grow, just because the rim is maybe growing in numbers, does not mean we're healthy. It doesn't mean we're doing the right things. We have to have a purpose and a plan if we want to grow the way that God has called us to. And we know this, right? Like you think about the gym. You go to the gym January 1st, and you're amped up and you're excited. Three weeks in, it's back to normal, you know, back to normal life. We quit that. Why? Most of us, because we didn't have really a plan and very little purpose. When you go to the gym, if you're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to start getting healthy. Man, COVID, I put a few LBs on. I'm a little over, like a little, little bit softer than I want to be or, you know, trying to like bulk up so I look good during, you know, swimsuit season. Like if you go and you don't have a purpose or a plan, you walk in and you might kind of pick up some dumbbells. You might jump on the treadmill, the elliptical for a few minutes, and then you just get tired. and You're like, ah, call it a day. And you go home and then, but nothing happens. Like you don't actually get in shape. You don't, you don't head in the direction that you want to. Why? Because there's not purpose and there's not plans. And spiritually, it's the same for you and I. Like, do we have a purpose? Do tomorrow, when you wake up, do you know where you're headed? Do you know how you want to grow? Because if you're aimless and you don't know where you're headed, you're not going to grow. 
It's why that we spend so much time, like I said, on the Bible reading plan. Because you, you need to have a plan of how you're going to dive into God's word. It's why and we focus so much on discipleship and coming alongside of people and helping you read the scripture so that you can hear the voice of God. Not Drew's voice, but God's voice. It's why we, why we put so much focus on house church so you can have people that come alongside of you and help you in the journey because you need accountability because you're going to get tired. You're going to want to quit and you need someone that says, no, I'm not going to let you. Let's keep going. I'll meet you at the gym tomorrow, 6 a.m. Set your alarm. We need that so we don't hit the spiritual snooze button. It's why we focus so much on discipleship, to come alongside of you and help you in this journey. It ends this, this section. Paul says this. He says, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple? And that the Spirit of God lives in you. Did you know that? That the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And that is what you are. That is what you are. You are God's temple. That's why we say so often the church isn't a place. It's a gym. We tear this thing down in just a few moments. The church is a people. The temple is a people. Why? Because that's where the presence of God lives and dwells inside of you. And so just church, it's just a side note. Listen, you need to know that without the Spirit moving and working in and through you, Growth is not possible. It's not. I mean, you can try all you want to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But without the Holy Spirit, you're not getting where you're going. I mean, just real, we, we've been asking ourselves this question as a church. If the Holy, Holy Spirit opened those doors and walked right out today, would there be any difference in this room? Would you feel it? Or have we gotten so good at manufacturing church? I've heard a pastor in China who kind of led the underground movement came to visit America. And they were flying back to ask them, they said, what was so impressive? What, what, what grabbed your attention? What was your takeaway from the American church? He said, I think I was the most impressed with how much they can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. They don't need him. They can strum the guitar. They can sing songs. They can get a polished communicator up. They figured it out. And I don't know if it's what Jesus is asking. Today in history, it's interesting, this was not a part of the notes, I just I looked at the calendar later this week and realized that today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day historically that we celebrate Jesus is ascended to heaven and he gives the mission to the disciples to go, to carry the good news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and take it all the way to the ends of the earth. And he goes, but hey, wait, this mission that I've asked you to do, it's impossible and you're going to need the Holy Spirit. So you just wait and the Holy Spirit's going to descend and it's going to activate and empower the church to be an unstoppable force. 
And so today, that's like, we're, we're, we're celebrating Pentecost, and we've just been praying as a church that God would awaken our body. Awaken us, awaken us, yes, as a collective church, but also as individuals. That we would grow, but we'd grow in the right direction. But all of it starts with us being honest with ourselves. Where are we really? And we've got to have, give it time and be faithful. And we've got to have a purpose and a plan. Or this is all for naught. So church, here's what I want to do. I've talked long enough. I want to give us, as usual, just 120 seconds. And what I, what, I, what I want to do in this space is I want you just to ask two questions. God, based upon your word, based upon something that's happened in these last hour or so, what are you saying to me? What are you asking of me? And then I want you to follow it up. We always skip this part. But the second question is, what are you going to do about it? What does the next step look like for you tomorrow? And so I just want you to take 120 seconds right where you are and just ask that question. Journal, God, what are you saying to me? Spirit, I, I want to hear from you, not just true. Speak to me. What are you saying? And then what are you going to do about it? Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.